This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. See, you know when I walk out here, you are looking at what we have come to know as championship material. Yes, sir. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to episode 274, future award-winning Talking Buffalo podcast, presented today by our friends over at 26 Shirts. By the way, so this is December 1st, and I'm recording this actually on November 30th, so I got to throw a shout out. I do this every year on this date. As somebody, a child who grew up as a teenager, I should say, at least in the 80s. I'm old, man. I'm old. But anyway, the best album in the history of music, not just the 80s, but music period, in my opinion, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the exact same way, dropped 38 years ago today as I record this intro. Of course, I'm talking about Michael Jackson Thriller 38 years ago, man. You want to talk about a banger of an album? I know that's the term a lot of people use it, a banger. Well, how about an album that had nine tracks that featured seven mega hits, monster hits, man. Billie Jean, Beat It, Thriller, PYT, Want to Be Starting Something, Human Nature, The Girl Is Mine. All that from one album. Just absolutely incredible. My favorite album ever. Such a big part of growing up for me. Just the... The, the impact of that album, just unbelievable. But anyway, I saw that coming up as I was getting ready to record. So want to throw that out there. But anyway, big thank you to everybody out there as always for continuing to listen. Download, support the show really means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to have my very good friend, recurring guest, Aaron Quinn from the Cover One Buffalo podcast. We're going to talk Buffalo Bills, not a pretty win, not a pretty win at all on Sunday over the LA Chargers. In fact, I'd say quite often the Buffalo Bills may have been their worst enemy, but you know what? This is a good football team, man, because they did a lot of stuff wrong and still won the game. They still won the game. The Buffalo Bills are 8-3. and three. Aaron and I will break that game down, talk about our biggest takeaways from it. Also... Because again, today is December 1st. For me anyway, that is the official start of Christmas season. This is where, for me, it's acceptable to play Christmas music. In fact, I had some going on a little bit earlier today. So on that note, Aaron and I are going to have ourselves a little Christmas music draft. We'll draft five songs each. So Buffalo Bills, Christmas music draft, coming up with Aaron Quinn. I have that for you in just a minute. Before that though, You know, I got a, actually two things. I don't know if you guys watched the fight over the weekend, the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, and I'm using air quotes here for fight, the exhibition, whatever you want to call it. I did. 
I didn't pay for it. <laughs> I got it for free. Um, you know, I'm not really going to divulge too much information about that. But anyway, I did watch the fight because I felt like I had to. I'm not a boxing fan anymore. In fact, I don't really know many people who are. But I grew up loving boxing. One of my favorite things. And honest to God, if I have three favorite fighters of all time. All time. And two of them were involved in this fight. Actually, all three of them were involved in some way. Roy Jones, Mike Tyson, and even Sugar Ray Leonard, who didn't fight but did commentary on the card, if that's what you want to call it, on Saturday night. So there was no way I was not going to check it out, even though I kind of, I got what I expected. I knew it was going to be what it was, and that was not a good fight. Uh, Eight, two-minute rounds. I will say one thing, though. Even if it was just for a couple seconds or a flurry here and there, you saw who Mike Tyson was. You could tell that he wanted to look, I don't know if he wanted to hurt Roy Jones because that's not what this was supposed to be all about, but he certainly wanted to look good while Roy Jones was, I don't know what he got paid, but whatever it was, he looked content to just throw a couple punches here and there and, and kind of hold on and survive. And of course, that's what he did. They called it a draw. For what it's worth, wasn't a draw. I get why they called it a draw. I think it was going to be a draw no matter what. But <laughs> Mike Tyson won that fight. But anyway, that's not the story of the night. The story of the night is my boy, Nate Robinson, man. I mean, ugh. you know, I'm a Knicks fan. So, of course, this would happen to a, a former Nick. But Nate Robinson was a pretty good NBA player. Wasn't a star, but he was a quality backup point guard. Spent four and a half years with my Knicks. And of course, most famously, what he's known for the most is being the only three-time NBA slam dunk champion in history. That's what he's always been best known for. Not anymore. That's over for him. He got knocked the F out by Jake Paul, Logan Paul, whichever social media guru the guy is. Jake Paul? Yeah, Jake Paul. Got knocked unconscious, man. And he became the butt of every joke. He's probably, if he's not already, he's going to replace the Michael Jordan crying as maybe the biggest meme on the internet of all time. Just a, a shitty way to, you know, I don't know what his finances are, but whoever told him it was a good idea to take a fight needs to be fired. And if it was himself, he really needs to look in the mirror and self-evaluate a little bit. Boxing ain't no joke. It's no joke. You, If you can't box, you shouldn't be in a ring fighting. You know why? Because of what happened to him. Bad decision, and that's, again, unfair, yes, but it's reality. That's what he's always going to be known for going forward. And by the way, one more thing that I'm going to get to Aaron. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit here because what a fantastic week it turned out to be last week for this podcast. I don't know if you heard Friday's show and there's a chance that maybe you didn't. And the reason being is because of uh, the holiday week. Things get screwed up when there's a holiday. People have routines. I know a lot of people, myself included, generally speaking, who listen to podcasts. We do it in the car when we're going to or from work, maybe at the office when you're sitting there during your lunch hour while you're eating lunch at your desk or whatever. A lot of people who listen to podcasts do it that way. Well, Last Friday was uh, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So I'm sure a lot of people had their routines thrown off. Might not have heard it. 
If you didn't, I very highly suggest that you go back and listen to Friday's episode because I had Jared Patterson, the UB running back on. Good 35, 40-minute interview. We talked about his life, his career to this point, why he chose UB, how he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he was not very highly recruited. Uh, We talked about all kinds of fun stuff too. Told me that his favorite football player of all time is Barry Sanders. And here's why I say that, folks, because that episode drops on Friday. And again, the timing for me couldn't have ever been any better. Literally, the next day, I'm watching CBS Sports Network because UB's playing. I love watching UB football. Your boy just went nuts on Bowling Green. And I mean nuts. 409 yards, eight touchdowns in a game on TV against Bowling Green. Eight touchdowns tied an all-time record. 409 yards, the second most ever in the history of college football. And frankly, the only reason why he didn't break the record is because the UB head coach, Lance Leinold, took about near the end of the game. He didn't know how close he was to the record, and he admitted that afterwards. Still, though, 409 yards and eight touchdowns in a game. I just told you how he was talking about Barry Sanders on my show, saying that that was his favorite player ever. 72 hours after that episode drops, Barry Sanders is on Twitter talking about the job that Jared Patterson did on Saturday. LeBron James is posted on Instagram about Jared Patterson. Jared Patterson basically became a household name over this weekend. If you're a UB football fan, if you're a Buffalo fan, you probably know about Jared Patterson, at least to some extent. Everybody knows about Jared Patterson who follows any form of college football now. Big story on ESPN, big time kid. And I'll tell you what, in my opinion, and I said all that, by the way, I'm not saying this after the fact. I said it on my show before I even talked to him on Friday. A, I think that kid is going to be playing football in the NFL on Sundays. In fact, I'm quite certain of it. And B, I think he's UB's best player and maybe best draft prospect since Khalil Mack. He's that good. So it was just amazing to see him get off like that, make a big name for himself. And again, patting myself on the back here a little bit, having him on the show, not just any episode would have been amazing, but to have him when I had him, one day before he goes off and sets records on national TV and has LeBron James and Barry Sanders and many other people posting about him. Big thrill, obviously, especially for him, but for myself as well. Great reaction. And again, if you did not go back, or I should say, if you did not listen to that episode last week, make sure you go back. Check it out. Well worth your time, Jared Patterson. So anyway, I want to get to today's show. Again, not going to waste any more time. I've been kind of babbling a little bit here at the top. Here it is, Buffalo Bills chat and a Christmas music draft with my man, Aaron Quinn. All right, Aaron Quinn. Aaron, you know, let me ask you this. Dude, what, what is that form called when you're a, uh, like when you're a famous musician and like you go on tour? And you go around to all the, you know, the arenas in the country and every city you go to, like you had these list of like demands, you know, like whether it be some kind of like green M&Ms in your bowl or 
Uh, whatever. Oh, yeah, like that's like the diva things. list almost or something. It's uh, what is it? a rider. It's called a rider. A rider. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> I want the listening audience right now to know that Aaron requested, so I'm going to call it a rider. An earlier tape in time. So you can call it a diva list for me if you want. A, a diva list <laughs> for one reason, and that was uh, again an earlier tape in time. We're taping this Monday night, a little bit earlier than normal, not much, but a little bit, so that Aaron could have extra time to binge more episodes of Shit's Creek with Mrs. Quinn afterwards. Man, <laughs> I love it. Dedicated to that binge, bro. Dude, it's. <laughs> I wasn't into the show when we first got going and now we're at the point where I spend so much time during the week prepping for our show. I jump on your show every couple of weeks or so something always pops up, right? Where I'm doing something in the evening. And then when I miss a night of binging, I kind of hate it. Like I just, yeah. there's so much content on this to get through. What is it? Six seasons. I think I'm just yeah. getting into the third. So I'm about halfway and if they're short, so we don't watch a lot of stuff at night, but I can watch four of those five of those a night. If we get our timing right and the kids get in bed and don't give us a hard time, we can put together four, you know, binge and that's binging for us these days. Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what Shits Creek is one of my favorite shows to binge as well, because, and I just did kind of the same thing that you're in the process of doing right now. I watched it in a very short amount of time. I like episodes. First of all, I mean, you got to be interesting. If the show's not interesting, it could be 25 minutes or 55 minutes. It's not going to matter because it's boring you. But I love the fact that the show is only like, what, 22 minute episodes or something. Yeah, they're like right around 20 something. Yeah, because it's uh, it was on network TV. I mean, it's not a Netflix original. It right. was on Canadian, I think, pop TV or something like that. So with yep. commercials, it only was like 22 minutes each. So you're around halfway through season three. Yeah, I the last episode we saw was uh, I think she had just gotten her degree in pubic relations. Um, so something like that. So there's a spoiler for somebody. But uh, yeah, it's right around season three. I think yeah. we're at. it's hard to when you're binging. It's hard to know when you have hit the end of a season and you're starting a new season because I don't see the which episode I'm on all the time. We just keep going. I really love that show. I do. And. I, I, without any spoilers to be given here, I, I could say this because it doesn't have anything to do with anything specific, but I feel like, so there's six seasons. I honest to God feel like every single season is better than the next one. It doesn't fall off. It gets better. A lot of people that I talk to that have tried to binge it who didn't end up liking it, it's because they got bored early on and kind of threw in the towel. I almost did that. In fact, I originally did do that. I binged it very early on, maybe two years ago or so. And I know I watched the first season. I might've dabbled into the season two, but I got bored with it and I stopped. Yeah. I'm so glad I went back. I really am. Again, without giving any spoilers and at the risk of being corny, that's in my head on the podcast. Me and you both established something. Remember I told you the story about, uh, about somebody saying I was a, a fucking pussy because I had a mask on in the bathroom. Yes, at, I remember that at one. The bar. Well, and I don't deny it. You don't deny it. So that's what we are, man. And I'm good with that. I'm a kind of sensitive dude. And it might sound corny, but with all the shit that's going on right now, like the world needs shit's Creek. Those type of shows that produce those type of characters and those type of feelings about life. And I, again, I know that might be a little bit corny to some, that's how I feel. So you know, because go ahead. Yeah, no, I agree with you. First of all, I, we've started it twice and stalled out really quick. 
uh, both of us did. And but we knew too many people that raved about it that we trust about TV. So we kind of were just like, all right, let's just kind of get through this and see what happens. And I agree with you, though. I, it's not the funniest show that I've ever participated in, which I thought it would be just based on the cast and uh, Levy, especially thinking that it would be just more straight comedy. But it's a feel good right. show. Like there's some episodes where at points they're kind of shitty people, but at really at the end of the story, they care about each other so much. And yep. the way they write that in with a little bit of humor it still is funny. It's good and funny, um, but it's more like family, fun, humor, caring. And there's just a few episodes already in these first three seasons where you're just kind of like, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. You know, at the end. Right. <laughs> Look at us, man. Usually we're talking about football. And we're talking about Shit's Creek and, and, and how wonderful life can be. And you're 100% right. It's not just straight comedy. There's kind of lessons to be learned in it, like character redemption. And again, without giving spoilers away, and we're going to move on. We got Buffalo Bills talking. And then, uh, like I said at the beginning of my intro, we're going to be doing a Christmas trap. But anyway, my favorite thing about Shit's Creek is because, and again, it depicts like small town life and the beliefs, you know, the small towns live. But it's like the hit. Little small towns, not the butt of the joke. The, the family's the butt of the joke. You know right. what I'm saying? And it's like, another thing I like too, it's like, there's no homophilia, no no bigotry. It's not about intolerance or any of that stuff. Like the first time through when I started watching it, and obviously David's a gay character. I mean, he's like, like more than a gay character, right? Like in that first few episodes, he's... yeah. Right. He'll try yeah, red, he'll try white, he'll... He, right, he and does yeah, it all. Yeah, yeah, he even says that line quite literally. But what I really like is, you know, every show that has a gay character on, it's so often it's about having to overcome all this adversity and getting mistreated and, you know, judged because of who you are, which sucks. But and that's the way real life goes. But that's one of the things I love about this show. Doesn't it? That doesn't matter in this town. It's not it's never again. I don't want to give any spoilers away here, but it's not an issue. Let's just put it that way at any point. You know what I mean? It's not about any of that. It's about the characters and the like the moral redemption for them. I mean, you see these small town people and small town living. It's pretty cool. I'll tell you, it, it makes me kind of wish I lived. I wish I lived in a town like that, dude. I don't know, man. I lived in some towns like that. It It's cute, <laughs> but you run out of shit to do real fast. Um, the only thing that I'm at stuck with this and my wife isn't there is Moira. I'm not a fan. Uh, she's had a couple okay moments, uh, but I don't. I don't love it. And I love Catherine O'Hara. So I'm struggling uh, with liking her and when she gets a full redemption. I don't know if I've hit it yet or if there's more to that. So that's one thing that I haven't quite come around to yet in the character development. There's some. I mean, she's not going to change that much. I do think I think she progressively gets funnier. It's like in a way she kind of resigns herself more and more to being a part of Shit's Creek. You know what I'm saying? But uh Anyway, it's a great show, so if people out there haven't seen it, Aaron and his girl are watching it now. I've already watched it, so we're going to both recommend You feel good recommending that to anybody at this point, don't you? So far, yeah, I think so. I think it's a good recommendation. I don't know where it falls on my list of shows. To me, it's uh, it's probably going to fall somewhere similar and where I've kind of arrested development. I feel like they're very similar type shows. Um, yes. And if it continues on the path that it's on, I think it'll be right around there, which is just out, probably outside my top 10. Um, I can't, it'll take a lot for it to get inside the top 10, but we'll see. We've got plenty of time left. You know, that's it's funny you mentioned Arrested Development. It is that same type of show. The difference is in 
in that show and Arrested Development, like the family's awful. You know what I mean? Like terrible. they throw each other uh-huh. under the bus. They're terrible to each other. Whereas this show, it kind of becomes at least anyway, over time, uh, the complete opposite. But, um, and the other thing too, you said right outside your top 10, you know how I am. I like, I literally power rank everything. Yeah. Literally everything. I have a running list and I always update it of my top 50 TV shows of all time. And we'll save that for another episode sometime down the road. But anyway, my point was just Creek's number 12 right now. I got it 12 of my all time favorite shows. I really think you're as you, as it goes on, I think you're going to see that. Uh, you're going to like it more and more. I, I, that's just my, t- I'm looking forward to seeing, hearing you, uh, your thoughts on it when it's, when it's all said and done. Yeah. Probably another couple weeks and right around Christmas time, I bet will be wrapped up because we've got about another three seasons to go here. Um, and there's quite a bit of episodes in each season, even though they're 20 minutes each. So we'll say probably right around Christmas or maybe before I'll let you know and we'll, we'll wrap it up on the show. <laughs> By the way, I'm binging the wire. I don't know if you ever saw that. On I love the wire. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I never watch it. Oh, this is your first you time. Oh. This is my first time watching. I've never seen it before. I am on season four. My wife and I are binging it. And by the way, I should say too, I I binge two different ways. I binge during the day when I work because I work from home and I'll run off seven, six, seven hours at a time because I could do that by myself. At night, it's a lot harder to have the time to binge because both of us have to be free at the same time. Obviously, my wife's pretty active. She plays volleyball, plays softball a couple of nights. So I don't get to watch it as much as I do. But anyway, I'm up to season four. Not okay, quite you only have what, season one season four. left, right? Yeah, the, I right now where I'm, yeah, there's five seasons. So I still got about a season and a little more than a half a season left. So oh, okay, right around there, I, I got to the point at the end of season three where uh, Avon Barksdale gets taken down. You know, that crew's taken down and Marlo's the man, at least is where I'm watching it right now at this point anyway. So yeah. that's where I'm at. But anyway, ah, yeah, the show's I love pretty it. fascinating. McNulty, Stringer Bell, I love those guys, man. What a yeah, good, yeah, what a good sure. show. Yeah, my wife is not as big of a fan as I, she likes it, but like I want her to be home all the time. Like I try to talk her out of going out and doing anything else. If we have more time, I'm I'm all in for it. Uh, I like it. So we'll see how that ends up. But anyway, all right, let's turn our attention to some football talk because that was pretty much the wires like a war on the streets in Baltimore. The Bills game on Sunday, I feel like that was kind of like a war of attrition. Oof. That's how I described this game because. I think the Bills were their own worst enemy on Sunday with all the dumb mistakes they made, self-inflicted wounds, while the Chargers had some of the worst coaching and decision-making that I've seen in an NFL game in quite some time. We'll talk about some things specifically, but generally speaking, like, what's your big takeaway from this game on Sunday? Well, we dodged a bullet not having Anthony, Anthony Lynn be the head coach of this football team. I love Anthony Lynn. I think he's a great dude. I loved him on Hard Knocks. Rich Gannon said it towards the end of the game that it was a comedy of errors. And I don't think anyone could say it any better. It truly was. I, these were, it's like basic football principles. Some of the stuff that he was just confused with every scenario, there was just confusion and having to take timeouts and uncertainty of what they were going to do. I, I kind of felt bad for him uh, at points in the game. And it all sort of makes sense when you look at the chargers talent, and statistically what they were able to do. I was worried about this game going into it because what this offense can do, the players on the other side of the ball, like they have players on both sides of the ball and it's coaching is holding this team back. And that's as a fan, we had it a little bit with Rex. Uh, I don't think it got to the point where Anthony Lynn's at, but 
I couldn't imagine being a fan of that team and seeing all the wasted talent uh, just just totally go to waste. And my co-host said it great. Uh, they're going to make a, another coach next year look like a genius when he comes in with all this talent that they have and just comes in. As, as long as you don't make the mistakes he's making, you can probably have a playoff caliber team. Yeah, for sure. I, they're probably going to have a top seven, eight pick. Right. Or Ingram, Ingram will be back. Uh, Derwin James. James will be back. They're good, man. They're, they're good. good. I like Justin Herbert a lot, too. Yeah. I think the Bills did a fantastic job defending him. We'll talk about that more specifically in a minute. But yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, they called a timeout and then kicked a field goal on fourth and one. Didn't they call a timeout and ultimately end up punting, too, at some point in the game? They I, right I at the like end of the half. Wasted, yeah. Yeah. I feel like they wasted two timeouts for just terrible decisions, man. It's a, it was definitely to the benefit of the bills. And again, a win is a win. So I get that, but you know, you can argue about how much style points should count. The bills were their own worst enemy. Like I said, you look at that fourth quarter, man, seven plays, they had three turnovers. You had Singletary fumble, Josh Allen fumbling, fumbled the ball twice on one play. And then that just horrible pick. They had six penalties in the fourth quarter alone. I think they had nine for the game. Yeah. And then they allowed another Hail Mary, but they still won. Yeah. And so ugh, it, it's just a, it's a real tough game to evaluate if you want to nitpick. Again, if style points are your thing, this is a, a tough game. Now, you're on Twitter on Monday morning. Did this feel like a typical, not just to you, did you get the sense that for the fan base? Because I know how you feel about it personally, but the fan base, when you go on Twitter, not that that matters too much or social media in general, what was the vibe like to you? Did it feel like a typical victory Monday? Uh, no. And even in the evening, uh, you know, I do the show right after. And uh, then I went right. for a walk with the family just to kind of take a break after the show and all that. And when I came back to Twitter, I felt like I came back to a team that just lost the way people were responding to you know, it wasn't enough of a blowout, you know, all these things like they didn't put this team away. And I do see some of that. And I felt some of that in the game. Uh, but really, when you kind of pull back from the game, they covered the spread. You know, uh, they beat the Chargers by more than anyone has beat the Chargers this year. And yeah, they had a bunch of self-inflicted stuff. But other than so, if you take those away, who knows how that game goes? And obviously, you can't take that stuff away. But I sort of look at it. They did all that stuff poorly and they still won by 10, right? Like they had three turnovers and still beat them by two possessions. That's pretty fantastic when you think of it like that, because people say, oh, you can't turn the ball over. You're not going to win that way. Well, it's going to happen. You're going to have games where you turn the ball over two, three times. Can you still win when you do that? And they did. And this, yes, it's a three win team, but this is probably the best three win team that I've looked at. Uh, ahead of a matchup that I've seen that is not really a three win team at the worst. This should be an eight and eight team at the end of the yeah. year. This is just a poorly coached team that has lost close games against good teams. They lost by three to the chiefs to start the year. They lost by what they, I think they lost by seven to Tampa Bay. And uh, what was a close game? They lost by, I think another three points or six points to Oakland or uh, Las Vegas. So they've played against good teams and lost close games. Um, but yeah, people are mad. People are very frustrated. I get it. The bills have been, they don't, they haven't made any games easy this year. Uh, and they've only, the losses they had were pretty bad. Those first two, uh, and then a close tight loss at the end of uh, the Cardinals game. But I don't know, man, you got to find a way to win. Most games in the NFL are decided by a single 
possession. If you look at spreads, Vegas is really good at what they do coming up with spreads. That's why they, there's so much money in Las Vegas is they're good at this. Uh, and most of them are three, four point spreads. And that it's that way for a reason. The NFL is close. There's a lot of parity. I, you know what I, to me, it says a lot about how much this team is advanced that they're winning games by double digits and people are annoyed by it. Yeah. And it was a time. They don't win this game eight years ago, man. Right. Absolutely not. And you know, back it wasn't long ago where we would gladly take a win anyway a game. Yes. I don't care who they played. I don't care what the score was. A W is a W. So it says a lot to me about how much this team's come come forward. It also says a lot to me about how much Josh Allen has progressed because you might completely disagree with this. In my opinion, this I thought this was his worst start of the year. I mean, this the, the stats were meh, okay. He threw for 157 yards, touchdown, interception. He lost that fumble. And I know he ran for a touchdown too. And by the way, 44 of those 157 were padded on that one play to Davis where Davis made the play. It was on a basically a free play. Numbers aside, I don't know, man. Like I said, the horrible interception, the bad fumble. And most importantly, I mean, he really put himself at risk with that dumb, I don't know what the hell he was thinking about potentially lateral in the ball. I know what he was thinking in that moment, but I mean, you got to be smarter than that. He, God damn. That would have been, you know, we could talk. Before the season, during the season, the Bills can't lose Josh Allen and be considered any type of contender. Right. You can't put yourself at harm's risk like that. That's on him. That's on no one else except him. I don't know what's going on in that head of his sometimes. And by the way, not a big deal, but like even that touchdown pass to Dawson Knox, it was wide open and that was more difficult than it could be. But whatever, that shit happens. But I, I was really annoyed by that play that he did where he almost got hurt because, again, he goes down this, I think, the, the, the the team sinks with him. You know what I'm saying? I do. Uh, so I don't think it's his worst game of the year without, I didn't, haven't seen the all 22 yet. I don't know if it's out at this hour or not yet. Uh, it's probably going to be out tomorrow afternoon at some point. Maybe there's some shots and stuff missed downfield right now though, before seeing the all 22, I would say Kansas city is still his worst game of the year. It was bad. There was opportunities in that game that he just didn't take. He was hesitating. Uh, he wasn't his normal normal self uh, that we've been used to seeing this year. This game was weird. Uh, they ran it 30 times. So that was a little bit different. I'm not I'm not mad about that. Like a lot of people are, are mad about that. I thought the run game was very effective and uh, LA is not a very good run defense and they were getting pressure early in the game. So how do you offset some of that pressure? Run the ball. Uh, don't allow them to get the pressure. So I, that, I'm fine with that. But he didn't throw very much. But when he did throw, it was pretty efficient. 75% completion percentage. He moved the ball down the field quite a bit. In that second half, I loved what they did just feeding Stephon Diggs. I think they got him like five receptions in a row or something like that in, in that second Yeah, he, he, I think he had seven catches in the second half. Yeah, I love that, man. Uh, give me that all day. Uh, the offense is a little different without John Brown. I think that's a real thing that, that we've seen every time he's not out there, that the offense isn't as explosive as they are with him. It wasn't a great game by Josh. He definitely has some stuff to clean up. But the the fumble, that's something we praise Josh Allen for when he makes a play like that. He just happened to not make it this time. If he picks that up, if you rewatch that, if he picks that up, he's got some space to do something with, which if he does and he picks it up, everybody's going to be retweeting that and saying, look, this is my quarterback. He's the best. That's someone where you're going to live and die with, with Josh Allen, right? He's going to make those plays and there'll be highlights for the rest of his career. Sometimes he's not going to make that play and it's going to be, it's going to piss you off and the other team's going to get the ball and it could impact the way the game goes, but that's just who he is. 
I don't know that I want it to change. Uh, I, I don't think it will change. He, he's talked about it even with the way he runs. I don't know that the way he runs will change very much. Um, it, he put his body online and that's dangerous. I'm kind of expecting to hear something when they're back in the facility. If he has any type of a sprain or anything like that, it didn't look very good, man. Uh, his knee bent in ways. Yeah, he's tough. It bad. looked bad. Yeah. Uh, came back out and played that second half in a brace. He looked fine. He continued to run the ball. He ran for a touchdown afterwards. So he's a tough dude. Guys like playing for him. Wasn't his best game. I don't think it was his worst game. If this is his floor, though, 75% completion percentage, a touchdown in the air, touchdown on the ground. Don't love the turnovers. You got to clean that up. But I'll take that. I'll take that as his floor compared to what we were talking about when he came out of college. If that's his floor, sign me up, man. Yeah, and that's fair. And again, I'm maybe I'm starting to set the bar a little. Maybe I'm setting that bar at an MVP level. You know what I'm saying with him? I would say as a whole, I mean, if you look at it this way, they scored 27 points. You mentioned no John Brown. They held Stephon Diggs, even with those catches. He had less than 40 yards receiving. Cole Beasley only had two catches for 25 yards. Um, you know, a couple turnovers. Lots of dumb penalties, some on offense. And uh, so I, I guess it's good to know that they have multiple ways that they can get it done. And on this day, especially in the second half, it was uh, the running game. You you hit on that. Pretty good. 172 yards on the ground, 5.7 yards per carry. Single Terry. All right, so he has 11 carries for 82 yards. Numbers look good. But that fumble could have been really costly. And I feel like this is the problem with him and why the team doesn't trust him. There's a reason why they used a third-round pick on a running back this year, and even more so than that, why I think they openly, which was very rare for Sean McDermott to admit it, they they were very open about trying to get Le'Veon Bell, which was not an endorsement on, on Devin Singletary. That's why. You know what I mean? That fumble could have really hurt them, which is a shame because I think on a whole, he, he ran the ball pretty goddamn good, you know? Yeah, and I think this is his first lost fumble. I know he's fumbled. He fumbled last year, but they didn't lose any of them. But still, you don't want to put the ball on the ground. I mean, Sean McDermott definitely doesn't love that, putting the ball on the ground. I was shocked to see them give him the ball back. They they continued to play him in that game where traditionally Sean McDermott sat him last year when he fumbled and didn't really get him back involved in the game. So good to see him get him back in the game. It's going to happen. Running backs are going to put the ball on the ground at times. It just stinks. It happened in that moment. And the way that game kind of was going in that stretch, they turned the ball over. What was it? The, the all three turnovers were in like seven ten, plays. Seven plays. Yeah. You can't have that. It's totally unacceptable. I did like he was having a really nice game up until that point. I mean, he was going to be my player of the game probably. He was keeping the offense going. He showed some of those flashes. I know you kind of. Didn't really compare him to Thurman Thomas, but kind of talked about he showed glimpses of Thurman a year ago. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. how he looked, you know, up until that fumble in this game. He was a patient runner, showed some of that short area explosion. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but when he's patient, he finds a hole. He does explode right through it. He was showing all that stuff, doing a good job. And then, yeah, that fu- that fumble will kill you, man. But I think Moss did a good job when he came in and had an opportunity to show what he could do uh, after that fumble. And I I really liked what I saw out of him. The thing I liked the most, uh, what we saw, I know some, our friend uh, Bruce was frustrated that they were kind of showing the run so much and kind of leaning into the run. I don't know that I totally agree. I like that it's on film. 
now every team that they're facing down this stretch has that on film. We saw Pete Carroll uh, overly adjust to the Bills in the run game because of what they did to the the Patriots the week before. So now that's on film. And the more this Bills offense can stress out defensive coordinators leading up to the game, the better. Now you can't just go back and guard the deep ball like teams were doing early in the year and taking that away from Josh Allen. Now you have to guard for the run. Now you have to guard for the deep ball. Now you have to guard for these trick plays that Brian Dayball seems to you know, sprinkle in once a week or once every other week. You got to worry about the screen game. They, they're evolving the offense so much and adding so many things week in and week out that no team can really guard the Bills in a one-dimensional fashion here, I don't think, for the remainder of the stretch because now you got that all on film. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, by the way, props to Brian Dable. I thought he good, did a good job of, once that pressure really started to go from the Chargers, he dialed up a few screens that worked and the touchdown pass feels weird saying that from Beasley to Gabriel Davis. That was a great call too. That was a cool call. Again, those are, those are definitely ways to uh, beat the blitz. What do you make of the offensive line? What's your takeaway with them? Because it looked like they struggled at times, especially winters, but yo, Joey Bosa is going to make a lot of O-lines look bad. He had three sacks. He was complete. He was by a mile, the best player on the field for either team, oh, in yeah. my opinion, anyway, on Sunday, but as a whole, and again, you're going to face a lot of these good elite, edge rushers actually the bills are catching a couple breaks by not facing a couple of them because of injuries and stuff but anyway you know so bosa just dominated this line but as a whole they did run for 172 yards the three sacks bosa had those were the only sacks that jocelyn had but he did feel the heat but anyway what was your uh what was your takeaway with this offensive line well it makes me worried i hate to look in advance but it makes me very worried about facing tj watt uh, sure. And I'm very worried right now. The matchup in the playoffs would be with the Cleveland Browns, and I definitely don't want to see Miles Garrett. Uh, I think he's the best in the league, and I don't even think it's close. I, th- I think he should be probably in the MVP conversation. The type of season he's having, uh, they were fine though. When you get the run game going like they got, the offensive line's doing something right. I don't think they graded out well in PFF, but I, I don't really care particularly about PFF's grades. Um, I thought they did fine. I I thought Mitch Morse looked really good coming back. He was getting out in space, making some blocks, getting the run game going on the outside. I think that's something they had missed the last couple of weeks without him. Uh, I thought Feliciano was a lot better than his grade. His grade was like in the 30s in run blocking, and I don't know that I saw that. Uh, I think he was fine. Winters is a problem. Um, But like I said on my show, uh, right after the post game, there's I've never seen a perfect roster in football. There's always going to be guys that are vulnerabilities, problems, liabilities. Brian Winters is ours on the offense this year. I don't know that there's an answer for that on the offense. I'm open to it. I'm open to Botker. I'm open to Bates. I don't know that they're actually better. Um, and for people that say things can't get worse, that's totally untrue. It could get worse. Um, I, I thought that maybe getting Feliciano back with Morris healthy, uh, as good as Daryl Williams is playing. And I think Deion Dawkins is having a really, really nice season that you could hide winters or whoever that other guard was and kind of hide that one weakness. I think my theory at least proved wrong this week. So hopefully they can kind of hide that as the season goes on, but he's definitely probably the biggest liability on the offense right now, but there's not a team in the league without a liability. I mean, that San Diego or that uh, LA offensive line, I wouldn't want that offensive line in front of Josh Allen. So every team's got problems and ours just happens to be that guard position this year. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll improve because... A- AJ Klein did. 
that's what I was getting to next. I'm like, yo, we buried AJ Klein. I sure as hell know I did. Yeah. I was making fun of him. He was the worst player, in my opinion. He was the worst player on the team not long ago. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, the AJ Klein, uh, you owe me an apology, everybody, tour continued in a big way again on Sunday. And now it wasn't perfect, all right? But he got beat a couple times by Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is going to beat a lot of linebackers. Yes, all right, let's just yeah. put that out there. Your boy had 14 tackles, three and a half for a loss, and one and a half sacks again, man. He's went from a huge liability that idiots like me would make fun of constantly on Twitter, berating him, to I'm now I'm like, all right, well, when Matt Milano's back, how can we find a way to get both these guys on the field more often at the same time? You know, it's weird. Yeah, no, he's he's been really nice in the blitz game, uh, coming up, making Very. some splash plays. Uh, some of the stuff he did in this last game, though, uh, getting out in space with Eckler on toss plays and screen plays and not allowing yardage or very limited yardage. There was one play I, I uh, put out last night where it was a toss. He gets out to the outside. Eckler does one of those like hesitation stops that usually an unathletic linebacker just blows by. He stayed with him step for step, drew him back inside and he and Micah Hyatt make the tackle. That's pretty impressive stuff for a guy that early in the season was just taking bad angles, being, you know, you always saw him chasing guys downfield, not able to go sideline to sideline. So he kind of alluded to it in the post game. He's just, he's never really played the will spot before. And I think they threw a lot of stuff at him. He wasn't supposed to come in and play will. He was, you know, that was Matt Milano's job. And I think it, it's taken some time for him to get comfortable with the mental processing side and feeling confident. And that's a confidence is a powerful drug in the NFL. All these guys are capable, right? It's how do you eliminate the mental processing so that things just feel natural and you're going out and just playing the game and building confidence along the way. And I think he's done both here over the last month and that's showing on the field. Even that play that he got beat on, I mean, Dude, not a lot of people make that play. He was supposed to be blitzing and Eckler made it look like he was blocking and then he pops out. He's really just one step behind. But once you're one step behind Eckler, that's going to be a 10-yard, 12-yard gain, right? Like that's going to happen no matter what. And I think that happens to Matt Milano too. If Matt Milano's in that situation, if if he doesn't read it exactly right with that one step. So yes, he got beat on that one, but I'm not going to beat him up for that after the game he had. No, absolutely not. I'll tell you what, you hit on it. He's a much better pass rusher than I ever thought. Yeah. I mean, he's getting after the quarterback. I don't want to go. I'm not going to be silly enough to compare him to like what Bryce Pop did with the Bills. I mean, your boy had 17 and a half sacks in, in one year. But, I mean, he's bringing the heat. He's bringing a lot of pressure just the last three games alone. So he's had a sack and a half against the Chargers. He had a sack against Arizona, and he had two against Seattle. So he's got four and a half sacks over his last three games. Some of those have been assisted by other people. So he ran into some of them, but still he's right there. He's making pressure. I'm going to go out on a limb and I love Lorenzo Alexander. I love what he did for this football team. People were calling and pleading for the bills to bring back Lorenzo Alexander. I take AJ Klein right now over Lorenzo Alexander last year to play the same position Lorenzo played last year, which is primarily on passing downs or, or situations where you bring him in to rush the yeah. passer. I don't know. I think I don't remember Zoe making a ton of impact. Maybe early in the year I take Zoe back, but at this point I, I like AJ over that. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. You know, what's funny on the internet. 
those that funny meme that goes around, they change the names, but it's that it's that dude who's with his girlfriend and he's turning yes. around looking at the yes. hot chick and his girlfriend angrily looks at him like, what the hell are you looking at? I saw one today with the Bills. I think it was Circle the Circle Wagons. Circle the Wagons, yeah. Yeah, they had, uh, it said AJ Klein was the hot girl and, and then Matt Milano looking, or uh, the girl, or the Bills Mafia looking with Matt Milano looking at him like, what the hell? I actually thought that was uh It's funny. Was and there's probably funny. some people that it's true for. I can't wait for Matt Milano to come back still, oh uh, even as good as AJ Klein's playing. And the benefit is, is if Matt Milano has any type of setback, you just put AJ back in. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I like the point that you just made about how AJ Klein is kind of can better assume that Lorenzo Alexander role. I mean, it worked when him and Milano were out there the last couple of years before this. You know, I also had a really good game on defense was Trey White. Yeah. He had the interception, which is fantastic. But I thought he, I actually thought the pass defense as a whole was very good. Justin Herbert completed like 31 passes. And some of them, a lot of them were tough passes. I mean, he made some, I mean, his stats weren't great. But it's like there was coverage. There weren't a lot of wide open guys. Like even a lot of the completions, they were contested pretty well, whether it was Wallace or Terod Johnson, who also I thought played a damn good game as well. Even the linebackers were in coverage. There wasn't a lot of open, wide open receivers. Like he had to throw the ball in some pretty tight windows to get the yards and, and the completions that he got. I thought the pass defense was good. Yeah, I thought a few things. I thought um, we didn't see the big plays. Big air yard play outside of that walkie hair. I was going to say. In the air. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you didn't see a lot of those in game. You didn't see a lot of yards after catch. Really tackling was really good in the secondary. Uh, I thought Tremaine Edmonds is totally back. Uh, he's been trending yeah. back. He looked exactly like he looked at towards the end of last year. I'm really happy about the way Tremaine Edmonds has uh, ascended here throughout the season. seems to have totally gotten over that injury. I thought Ned Oliver had a hell of a game. He was all over that backfield. He didn't get any stats, really. He wasn't a stat machine, but he disrupted a lot of run plays. He was disrupting Herbert. He was getting into that backfield. And Jerry Hughes is quietly, because it's not showing up in tons of sacks, putting together an incredibly disruptive season. He is he really hasn't lost much, uh, I'll be honest. I was worried this year that he was going to really drop off and we weren't seeing the sacks early on, but we we're kind of seeing these pressures show up on the stat sheets and where it was coming from. But Jerry Hughes was incredibly disruptive in this game. So the I think the attack on Herbert was getting in his face, making him throw some balls even just a little bit off. They were getting him off his spot. And I think it was really one of the first times we've seen team defense at all three levels of defense come together. And I tweeted out right after the game. I think we we saw a 2019 Bills defensive performance for the first time this year. Yeah, I, I thought they were very well. Ed Oliver, he had a sack. I was annoyed because he took a really dumb penalty earlier. It was dumb. It might have been. It was, t- it was a little ticky tagging. Yeah, I didn't like it. Unnecessary. Um. Yeah, I'm glad you said Jermaine Edmonds, too. Somebody tweeted at me saying, when Milano comes back, Klein should start over Jermaine Edmonds. I'm like, come on, man. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Seriously? Dude, he is all... I, I, If he's not all the way back, he's 95% back. He's not making necessarily big plays, but he's right at the ball. You could just tell he's moving more freely. He's tackling better. I think he's making better decisions. He's been more of an impact player, even if the stats don't necessarily show it over the last few weeks. So I'm glad to be wrong. I was concerned that it was more than an injury. I just thought maybe being an inside linebacker is just not a good fit for him. But I'm starting to realize now. I think it was. I think it had to be his health more than uh, 
than anything else. So yeah, so the offense got the job done. The defense looked like last year's defense, like you said. I completely agree. Uh, special teams. Dude, Tyler Bass, I tweeted this. He's in my circle of trust now. Yeah. Two for two with field goals. That 45-yard field goal, never had a doubt. Earlier in the season when he kicked, I was getting like knots in my neck, like stress knots. You know what I mean? Like yep. when your boss shows up and you don't want to see him and you just get all cringy because you know he's going to bitch at you about something. That's how I used to feel when he was kicking the ball. Now I'm completely loose. I'm confident he's going to make it. And Andre Roberts, man, you know, you you have hit on it, so I'll give you credit, but not a lot of people are talking about the season he's having. He's having a great year. Average almost 28 yards on four kick returns. He had an 18-yard punt return. Probably going to make the Pro Bowl. Or, I mean, there's not a Pro Bowl, but don't make the team anyway. Uh, special teams was pretty damn good on, on Sunday. I think Andre Roberts should be in contention for All-Pro. I really do. Uh, he is such a dynamic guy. He's not getting touchdowns, but the drives that the Bills start with are always at the 28, 32, 36, 38 yard. Like he's always pulling off these really nice kick returns, nice punt returns, gaining yarders. That stuff matters a ton. Uh, And so I think he's done well. I agree with you about the circle of trust in Tyler Bass, but it didn't happen for me until that last kick because this game was so wonky with the turnovers and the penalties. I won't lie that when he got up for that last kick to make it a 10 point uh, or yeah, 10 point game, I was really worried. Like this is the kind of game where you have all this crap go the wrong way. And then the rookie kicker comes off and dings one off the, the upright, but he nailed it. And it was with confidence. And at that moment gave me confidence and the body of work that he's put together here over the second half of the season, uh, after he got over whatever was going on with either holding the, you know, with the holder or whatever was happening for him. He seems to be beyond that and has gained a real confidence for a rookie kicker. And I'm confident in him. And I feel like he can hit from 60 just as easily as he can hit from anywhere else. And that's a really good feeling to have because if you had a kicker like that last year in the Texans game, man, in that playoff game, totally different scenario. They couldn't even send Hauschka out there for a 50-plus yarder. Uh, now you have a guy that you're confident and can go do that. And as much as we kind of rag on kickers and stuff, it's important to have a guy that you feel confident can hit a long field goal if you can't get into range in a big game. And I feel confident he can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you don't want to have a, a big game, especially a playoff game, ultimately – Come down to a 53, 54 yard field goal. But if they got to do it, I definitely feel comfortable that he's definitely got the leg to uh to get it. So now the Bills are eight and three. They play next Monday night. I almost said at San Francisco. They're playing San Francisco. Like the game's gonna be in Arizona. By the way, I'm gonna skip the Hail Mary. What are you gonna say? Yeah, about no, it? I don't want to talk it's about a fl- it. To me, it, it's it was a fluke against Arizona. Yeah, super fluky. And it, it was a fluke this week. It, it shit happens. It happened twice in a row. It shouldn't happen either time. I'm not going to go on and say it's a problem. I mean, what more are they going to do to defend it? Knock the ball down. It just shouldn't happen. It did happen. Hope the guy we never have to have another. If we have to have a third conversation about it, then something weird is really going on. But. Yeah, so people were in my mentions because I said it like, I don't think it's a big deal. I'm not worried about it. Both times they covered it well. It's fluky stuff. And they're like, well, you're going to say that when that's how they lose in the playoffs. And you know what? Everybody come run into my mentions if that's how the Bills lose in the playoffs because I think it's kind of just coincidence. It's a weird coincidence. I think it's a little bit of an anomaly. I don't know. 
I don't think it's something that they'll probably address it in the film room, but I don't think it needs the burn that it's got. Man, I listened to Sal Capaccio's show this morning. I think he took like eight calls or something of people just yelling about Hail Marys with all the other stuff that happened in this game. It was like the talk of the town today. I, I think that's ridiculous. It is. And again, to me, it's it's just fluky. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What more are you going to do? But anyway, moving past that. So the Bills are 8-3. and three. They're playing Frisco next week. Monday Night Football at Arizona. You know, Frisco's a team that I thought they were dead. So they're they're five and six. They had lost three in a row going in the last week. They've just been decimated by injuries. If anyone in Buffalo is complaining about John Brown and Matt Milano, you know, and Cody Ford, which don't get me wrong, those are big players with who have had significant injuries. I mean, Frisco's just been devastated by injuries. So anyway, they had lost three straight games by double digits, but then they played. NLA against the Rams on Sunday and they won. So they're five and six. They're still very much in it. This to me, how are you feeling about this game? I'm not going to ask you to break it down again. Yeah. I say every time, every time I have you on the show, I always say for detailed analysis and breakdown and a preview of the game, make sure you check out the cover one podcast on a, I think you guys are doing it Thursday this week. You and we Greg. are. Yeah. We're going to do Thursday because our guest uh, had a, had a schedule conflict, but uh this is the thing that stinks about doing the show that we do is there's like early in the season, you don't have enough film to really have a good handle on some of these teams. And then kind of that week four through eight, really, it it feels good. Like you have enough tape and it's easy to watch and you can get a good handle on teams. Now you have so much tape to go back through to really see how a team season has gone that like I got through to San Francisco games today uh, while doing everything else to try to get a handle on who this team is and where they've come this season. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not taking a whole lot out of that victory that they had this week, although you can start to build wins. It, once you get them, you get that taste for winning. That might be a real thing for them. I don't know. I think the thing that I'm worried about the most is not going to show up in the stat book, is not going to show up on film, is uh, coaches rallying teams, even if it's something that seems totally stupid to fans that happens in sports all the time. And I think if, if Shanahan's smart, uh, he's going to rally them around the idea that they're somehow being screwed and having to play in Arizona and sort of a us versus the world mentality that we have to overcome this thing. And we're going to rally together. I hate that stuff in sports, dude, any type of edge mentally that these guys can get. I don't like it. I don't want to deal with it. Uh, maybe Sean McDermott can rally his team around the idea of some redemption in Arizona. The last time we were in that building, it didn't end the way they wanted it to. So maybe they can kind of rally around that mental idea. But as far as a breakdown of the two teams, I don't have it yet. But I'll tell you, I feel I had this game as a loss uh, when I first did my predictions uh, of 12 and 4 at the start of the year. And I definitely don't feel like it's a loss going into it this week. And I feel pretty good that I'm going to pick the Bills to win come uh, my show on Thursday. What do you make of this schedule? And we're going to wind this down in just a minute with our Christmas song draft. But before that, everything's going on with COVID. It's getting out of hand. So we're taping this Monday. It's early evening at this point. As of right now, they pushed the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game back to Wednesday. I'm reading Adam Schefter. So now next week, Dallas and Baltimore has already been moved to Tuesday. Right. And I I think I read something about uh, Monday Night Football is going to be Washington and Pittsburgh now at 5 p.m., then the Bills play at 8 p.m. So the Bills are still going to have that time slot to themselves. Pittsburgh gets one less day now before they go into Buffalo. But sooner, you knew this was coming at some point, right? I'm more surprised that they've gotten as far as they have 
then uh, before things really started to, to break down, I mean, Denver had to play without a quarterback this past Sunday. You could tell, too, by the way, and again, maybe something happens Tuesday as people listen to this that changes the NFL and it forces their hand, but you could tell they're, they really don't want to have that extra week of regular season play. They want to get this done in 17 weeks because it's kind of borderline crazy to me that Pittsburgh and Baltimore are even going to play this week. Yeah, the, some of the stuff I don't necessarily – I wouldn't want to be the people making these decisions at all. I'm glad that my life isn't dependent on making these huge decisions. There's a lot at play. Fans get frustrated, but there's millions and billions of dollars at stake for this season to get finished and to get finished on time. Uh, and I think that the priority for the NFL is money and filling those TV slots and doing all this stuff to get these games wrapped up, to get to the playoffs. Uh, it's looking scarier and scarier from this idea that COVID is just getting worse and worse and you're seeing outbreaks throughout teams. The longer it goes on, you're probably only going to see more of it. And that makes me a little concerned that there's going to be a big, important game for the Bills and, you know, either an outbreak is going to overtake their locker room or the, the team they're about to play and having to deal with that again. Uh, so there's a lot hanging over the entire season. These teams, what we just saw in Santa Clara is not totally unreasonable in Erie County. The way Erie County is trending, uh, Cuomo has sort of threatened Erie right. County a number of times with, you know, going into this red zone. I don't know what that means as far as the ability to play sports in the area. Um, but there is a, probably a scenario out there where in the next month, if things keep trending in the wrong direction here in Erie County, that the bills have to find another spot to play or won't be able to, you're even seeing them not be able to report to the facilities on Monday and Tuesday. Like it's a weird year. I don't even know what to expect. I feel like everything's on the table. We're in totally new territory. They were talking about the Ravens having a strike today. If they were forced to play on Tuesday, like we're in totally new territory. I just hope that they can somehow finish out the season. I love having this normalcy of football in my life. It's been such a crazy year, such a shitty year, really, uh, all throughout. And having football has been the only thing that is kind of just fun. And I don't want it to go away because we just couldn't get a handle on it. So hopefully the NFL makes some of these right decisions and teams can control outbreaks and nobody gets really sick. I, I hated to see the news about Tommy Sweeney getting you know a serious condition from getting COVID. So hopefully we don't see people getting really sick and we see outbreaks kind of start to dwindle down amongst the NFL and that they can continue because this form of entertainment, I think helps a lot of people get through what is a crazy, I know it sounds silly that it's football and it's not, you know, a priority, but I think it is helping a lot of people have something to look forward to, have something to talk about that feels normal. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. It's more than just a sport. I hate when people suggest that it's just football. Because it's a lot more than a sport. It's a gathering. It, it, again, it's uh, it's socializing. It's a hell of a lot more than that. And I, I'll say this too. I'm concerned. It's one thing right now during the regular season. If a team gets screwed over and maybe you get an extra one, one and a half days less rest where you have to play again during the regular season, it's a competitive disadvantage in a way. But whatever, it is what it is. I'm concerned that come the playoff time, that means a lot more in the playoffs. Like, For you know, sure. teams play... Saturday or Sunday, whatever day they play their divisional round or wild card round, whatever it may be. Something like a game has to get pushed back. Like say if this was Baltimore and Pittsburgh playing in the playoffs, you know, it's it's going to get tough and you're going to be shit, man. You're going to be a scenario. And again, let's just be grateful that we're going to have football. All right. So I, I got to preface by saying that, but you might be watching the way things are going right now. 
if you're even fortunate to watch it at all, you might be watching an NFC Championship game on a Tuesday night. You, could you know be. what I mean? It could happen. The nice thing it's is, crazy. once we get down, you cut the teams in half, you're, the probability of who's having outbreaks decreases. There's been talk sure. about doing some type of bubble uh, for playoffs by region uh, or, or something like that. What I've heard being tossed around if things get too bad, uh, right. which I wouldn't love. I, even though there won't be fans, I want to see a home playoff game be played uh, in Orchard Park. Uh, again, even it would be cool if you had fans there. That's definitely out of the realm of possibility, but uh, I, I don't want to see it in some neutral like MetLife stadium or something, some neutral territory for both teams. I think that's not cool. Uh, so it, it's a weird year, but at the, this point I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah. And again, you know, we're just speculating and guessing and stuff like that. But like I said, the one thing that I'm highly confident now is the NFL does not want to have that 18th week of a, a regular season because if they did this Pittsburgh Baltimore game would not be being played Wednesday at this point it would just wait to the end but anyway it is what it is before we get out of here so oh, hey, you one, I, one more Bills well, thing because I think you'll like this I don't know if you saw this tweet I had last night and I want to sort of wrap it up and put it into perspective of people kind of that were frustrated with the way the Bills win or you know frustrated with this team in any sense I tweeted out last night I, I kind of look back at it the Buffalo Bills have had eight wins or more 11 games into their season, nine times in 41 years, 16 game seasons then start to exist till 1978. So I counted all just 16 game seasons in 1982. They only played like eight games and didn't have a full season. So they only have done it nine times in 41 seasons. Have they had eight wins in 11 games? It was 1980 season, 88, obviously 90, 91, 92, 93, 95, 96. And then the 2019 Buffalo. So this is, for the Bills organization is rare territory. And for some people that aren't as old as you and I, this is the only second time in their entire lifetime that the Bills have been this good going into December Christmas season where you're not looking at if they're in the hunt and doing crunching all the numbers and being a mediocre eight win, nine win team at the end of the year. They're already at that eight win mark. I, I think it's pretty incredible. I think sometimes we have to take a step back and say, it hasn't been perfect, but geez, they're doing something pretty special that the team hasn't done a whole lot. Yeah, for sure. That's a great stat. You know, it's funny. You can look at it the other way too, for a 14, 15 year old Buffalo Bills fan who's just starting to understand football and learn the game. It's becoming the norm for them. Now it's just two straight years. They've probably only been a fan for two or three years, you know, where they actually know what's going on and they're seeing their team eight and three. You know, you, you said a stat. I, I saw one too yesterday that I should have mentioned when we were talking. I forgot. Give Sean McDermott or just his team some credit, I should say, in general, because 30 straight times now where they've been up by 10 points or more at the half, they've won. Which means they haven't choked away a game in the second half where they were up double digits going into the locker room. I think that's important too. That's a good feeling to know. And again, that could change at any time. But 30 straight times where the Bills have been up by 10 or more points at halftime, we what maybe we did sweat it out, but we shouldn't have because they won every single one of them. So anyway, cool stuff. I want to end with a Christmas draft. So you, I, and your boy, Greg Thompson, we were talking about some Christmas songs and then it just popped in my mind. I was like, how do I not have a Christmas music draft on here? Now I don't believe in Christmas season starting until after Thanksgiving. I've said that many times. I know a lot of people, as soon as it turns November first, they throw all their decorations up. I don't know if you do that or not. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't even consider that shit until after Thanksgiving. But anyway, Christmas music. I really don't start 
playing Christmas music till December 1st. I don't know what you like. What's your take on that? Like, when's it acceptable for you to start banging out Christmas music? You don't want to know. Uh, Halloween night in my house is <laughs> Christmas music, Christmas movies. You're I'm pulling shit out of the attic to start decorating the next day. Like it's on, we don't get our tree. We are, it's always get the tree the day after Thanksgiving or that Saturday. So we're always doing that. We just got our tree this weekend, but everything else, man, is full. Go. Here's the problem, dude. And before we get into this draft, there's too many movies to watch from, this point till Christmas, there's too many songs that are so good to listen to in that period of time. You need the whole time I'm telling you, man, uh, I've been at this now a while. You need the whole time to truly appreciate all the good Christmas content that there is. I, 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 I don't know, man, I get burned out. Maybe it's because I live down here. Well, you know what? I can't say that. I can't even use Florida as an excuse because I kind of feel like I've always been that way. I've been more though, since I've been in Buffalo, maybe we'll do a Christmas movie one at some point. But for today, we're going to do five rounds and we're each going to pick five of our favorite Christmas songs of all time. I want you to name the song and the artist because a lot of these songs might have well, multiple sure. versions done by multiple artists. And because you know what, because you're my guest, I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want to have your first? We'll do it snake style. Do you want to have the first pick or do you want to have the next two? All right, you go for the first pick. You're the, it's your show. I don't want to take it from you. You go with first pick. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. You see, I have a couple songs written down, but I actually didn't bother to power rank them in order. First pick, you know what? I'm going to go. It's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams. Oh, that's a good Classic. one. Classic. And by the way, I heavily, very heavily lean towards, uh, the classic versions of Christmas songs, one or two exceptions, but yeah, that song just reminds me of Christmas, whether it's watching a movie, a commercial, or just hearing it at my house around family and stuff. So yeah, pretty easy one for me. I go, Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year. So you're going to be on the clock and you're going to have two. All right. That's a great one. High on my list. I'm going to go. My very favorite Christmas song is the Christmas song. And I like every version of that song, but my favorite is by Luther Vandross. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a, a Luther guy, but it is just, it does it for me every time I hear it. So I'm taking the Christmas song by Luther Vandross. That's great. That's a great one. Okay. You're going to come back with a second one too now. All right. And I know you're an R&B guy and so am I. And it is a beautiful song, no matter who sings it, but I, I agree with you. Oh, it's I been a movie every single amazing. time for Christmas. Uh, this, Okay. Uh, so I put this one out on Twitter earlier and uh, this is a newer song by uh, it's not a new artist, but a newer artist in terms of Christmas music. It just gets me excited. It gets me in the mood. My kids get excited running around the house underneath the tree by Kelly Clarkson. I'm taking with this. I think it's better than Mariah Carey's all I want for Christmas. I, I don't think it gets the love that it should deserve in terms of those pop Christmas songs. I love it. Instant classic. The day it came out does it for me. Wow, that's that you're in hot take territory right there. I I, I love that Mariah. Stand on that take. I do love Mariah. It's something about the I don't, underneath the tree. <laughs> it just gets you going, man. I don't love Mariah Carey as a whole, but I do love that song. So I'm on the clock with two. And you know what? I am gonna actually I'm gonna go against you there, and I am gonna take Mariah all I want for Christmas. And I'm not a modern Christmas music guy much either. Like I said, I tradition. I usually like the older traditional songs. It's just got such a catchy hook to it, man. Who doesn't 
sing and dance when that song comes on. I don't care where you're at, whether you're around your, your boys, friends, family, don't matter. That's just like maybe the best Christmas sing-along song of all times. So I'm going to go with that one. And I'm going to go with an older song for my second pick here, third, uh, third overall. Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Ooh, Helms. I like Jingle Bell I love Rock that a song. lot. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock. That's a great song. And also, I'm uh, being sentimental. It reminds me, so many songs, a lot of Christmas songs remind me of my dad. My dad loved Christmas music. So I, I grew up listening to him, getting joy out of listening to them songs. And this is one of those biggest ones. So I'm going to go Mariah Carey, all, all I Want for Christmas is You. And then I'm going to go with my third pick. I'm going to go, yeah, Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. Dude, uh, Christmas is all about nostalgia. That's like they yeah. I've read studies about what nostalgia does to the brain and Christmas is the ultimate drug of nostalgia. So whatever like triggers that Christmas memory for you as a kid is going to be what does it for you. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. With that said, I do like some of the, the newer stuff. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the clock again here for my third pick. Uh, my third pick is going to be, let me see here. A Holly Jolly Christmas Christmas by Burl Ives. Nice. I, that's I, a good song. Classic. That's a good one. I like it. Just feels good. And then I'm yeah. picking my fourth or yeah, my I'm gonna go with Santa Claus is coming to town, Jackson Five. Santa Claus is coming to town by the Jackson Five. That's a great song, actually. That's a great song. I don't have you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. So I, I made a list of like eight or nine songs and I don't have that on my list, but it's not because I wouldn't put it on my list. I'm going to confess to you. It's because I forgot about it. That, that's an awesome song. It I definitely awesome. would have it on there. All right. So I got two more picks left and then we'll recap. You know what? I think I'm going to show my age here. The era that I grew up in. I'm going to pay homage. I think I know what you're doing. I'm, I'm going to go. Last Christmas oh, by Wham. On my board. It's a great song. <laughs> Was it? I know a lot of people are going to think that song is so stupid, oh, but so I good. love so that song. You it know, just brings back so many memories and hearing it so many times. And again, I, and I'm sure most people listening, I know you agree. Christmas music's about joy. You know what I mean? And that's just, a, it's a joyful song to me. I got one more left and I'm really torn between two. I really, really am. Uh, you know what? It's an old classic. It's been done a billion times. So I got to be a little more specific. My last pick here, and then you're going to have the final pick overall here. My last pick is going to be, I can't say what I was going to pick until after you pick, because maybe you'll, you have the same thing. I'm going to go with, I'll be home for Christmas. And I'm going to go by the Bing, Bing Crosby version. Again, there's so many great versions that cold, so many awesome versions, but Bing Crosby, the OG of Christmas music to me. I'll be home for Christmas. It's just such a standard. It's such a classic. I got to go with that. I got to go with that. So yeah, that's going to be my last one. And this is a you're tough up one now for me. and you're going to make your last one. I, I can't I, wait to tell you what I was going to pick. I, was gonna say, I want to read some of my other ones I wrote down here when I'm done. Cause I really had yeah, no so my, idea how I was going to order these going into it. Me neither. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it all day. I'm going to take off my board my, with my final pick in this draft. What Christmas means to me by Stevie Wonder. What Christmas means to me by Stevie Wonder. That's another great song. You're so, well, that, that one's not, that one's not new. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I think overall, 
Well, not really, because your uh, your last two were much older. Um, you definitely have more of an R and B flavor in your selections, which again, yeah. I know how much you love R and B, and you know how much I love R and B. And I grew up in that era, uh, the '90s R and B, big time. Um, so I got some of that, and a lot of the stuff I didn't pick is newer on my list. And I want to uh, speaking of a newer R and B, you picked Last Christmas. Go check out Ariana Grande's version of Last Christmas. I think you'll like it. I never heard it. Yeah. I have, I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. So here's what I'm going to do, man. I just thought of this as we were doing that. Maybe I'll put up a poll on Twitter and I'll put our choices up there and I'll let fans vote on who drafted the better Christmas song team. So here, let's recap. So my five were, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Um, What else do I got here? Oh, Mariah, all I want for Christmas is you. I got Jingle Bell Rock, Last Christmas by Wham, and I'll Be Home for Christmas by Bing Crosby. Aaron has the Christmas song by Luther Vandross, Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson. That's such an underrated song. It really is. You're going to win a Twitter poll because of the Mariah, but I'm telling you, man, pound for pound, Kelly hangs there. You might be right. At first, I'm like, well, it is a hot take, but you know what? That's a hot take that's got some legs to it, man. That is a beautiful song. God damn. Uh, Holly Jolly Christmas. Um, You got... What else did you have? You had a Jackson 5 song. Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Jackson 5. And What Christmas Means to Me by Stevie Wonder. Who are one or two of the ones that like you have, like for honorable mention, you consider but didn't pick? I got one. It was, uh, Do They Know It's Christmas? Oh, I love that song. I had it on my board. You remember that with Bono and Boy George and George Michael and, you know, all those, Phil Collins, so many other people. I love that song. That's like, it seems like every time I ever get in my car around Christmas time, and drive it's always on at like that electronic moment. horn or whatever and it's like doo, 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 yeah, doo. yeah 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 what, what are a couple what are a couple that you like you strongly considered but didn't uh so didn't ultimately go with uh so that was one um i'll say have yourself a merry little christmas by kenny g uh mm-hmm. which a lot of people find corny i actually like kenny g quite a bit um <laughs> It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas by Michael Bublé. I think mm-hmm. he is our like modern version of a Bing Crosby kind of person. And I love his rendition of it. Uh, and then a real another one that's a new album, and I think it's probably one of the better new Christmas albums. If you haven't heard it front to back, I suggest going to find it right now. John Legend made an incredible Christmas album last year, and he has a song "Merry Merry Christmas" on it it's become an instant hit in my house that we listen to all the time. I, I'm a huge John legend fan and this album rocks. Hmm. I got a couple other ones too. I considered white Christmas by Bing Crosby. Oh, yeah. There's a million, there's a million white Christmas versions. I considered a rap song that I love Christmas and Hollis by run DMC. And, uh, the last one. And again, reaching back to my father, I didn't like personally like, John Lennon's So This Is Christmas. But like that was my dad's like favorite Christmas song. Played that shit to death when I was growing up. But uh yeah, so those were the other ones that I um that I considered. I like Christmas music, man. I, I really do. I'm not I don't know how I feel about Christmas movies. I'm definitely gonna have you on again before Christmas and we could do a Christmas movie. Oh, I, love I don't know that I, I'd have a I'd have a much harder time coming up, I think, with a good eight to nine list of of Christmas movies, I think. Than, than I have, I'll, I'll share you a screenshot. I have a list 
like a checklist of movies that we watch sorted by what streaming service they're on. Uh, one for just kids, for my kids, and what movies I'm going to make sure that we all watch, and then ones that include adults. And it's like four pages long of Christmas movies that I they're must watches, and then I sprinkle in all the Hallmark and Lifetime stuff throughout the year as well that I don't have on list. But th- those are my must watches of the year, so I won't have a hard time drafting five movies at all. Uh, I'll, well, I'll have a hard time picking which ones, but I won't have a, t- a tough time coming up with a list. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be the complete opposite. I'll have a hard time coming up with enough. But anyway, give Aaron a follow on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716. Check out Cover One Buffalo Podcast this Thursday night. Get you ready for the Buffalo San Francisco game. Bro, you know how I feel about you, man. I always love having you on the podcast. Got the chance to talk little shits Creek, man. Little Christmas music. Mix it up a little bit besides just Bill's talk. So always good to have you on, brother. I love coming on, man. And remind your buddy Joe, the quarterback that had a 300-yard passing game lost this past weekend. So tell him to get off my back. Tell him to stop subtweeting me about it. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very, very big thank you one more time. My good buddy, Aaron Quinn, co-host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast. I always love having Aaron on the show. One of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people. Love talking sports, pop culture, all kinds of stuff with him. So big thank you again, Aaron. Big thank you to all of you as well. And you know what? If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, could you please go ahead and do that right now? Rate a review. It literally takes you maybe 20 to 30 seconds to do it. It helps me continue to grow this show. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Talking Buffalo Podcast on YouTube. Got some highlight clips from some recent and past episodes up there. Going to have probably, I keep saying this, but I can tell you right now, it's probably going to be early 2021. Some original content that you're only going to find on that channel. You won't see or hear it anywhere else, including this podcast. In fact, we're going to start doing some video elements of the show sooner or later. That's going to be coming. So stay tuned again. Talk Buffalo podcast on YouTube. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran tweets. I am constantly on Twitter. Tweeted out podcast updates, promos, polls, all kinds of stuff. Sports takes, pop culture takes, some shitty jokes, all kinds of stuff there. At Pamoran tweets. And again, thank you so, so much for listening. I say it all the time, man. I just know that there's so many great podcasts out there. Hell, there's a bunch of Buffalo podcast content alone. That's very good. The competition is something fair. So I know when you're locked into this one, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, however long you lock in, it really, truly does not go unnoticed by me. I'm humble. I'm grateful for it all. So thank you very, very much. Have a good week. And I'm going to be back with a new show on Friday. In fact, I got a former Buffalo Bills first round draft pick from the 90s. You rarely hear from him. But he was a very good player for the Bills. So stay tuned. I'll have that for you on Friday.